Well, good evening. Come on in, grab your seats. Uh, two more quick announcements. Uh, two Fridays from now, we'll be baptizing people, April 14th. So if you feel the Lord has been drawing you into the waters of baptism, if you've decided to follow Jesus and haven't declared that through the waters of baptism, please get signed up. It will be an absolute throwdown party in here. April 14th, two Fridays from now. So you can get signed up online or let one of us know. Uh, Second thing, I want to introduce you to about 30 of my friends. We've got this group here called The Wellspring, and it's a bunch of business leaders, entrepreneurs, people who are shaking it up for the kingdom of God and really being aggressive and really being generous in the kingdom of God. And they've flown in from all around the country, and they're here this week for a mastermind gathering. And so would you, as Friday night, welcome The Wellspring group here tonight in the house. Wellspring, so much love to all of you. Love these people. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're in week 10 of a series going through the Sermon on the Mount. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry, it'll be on the screen. But what I'll do is I'll read the first 12 verses of Matthew 7, and then I'll pray, and we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord tonight from Jesus himself up on the mountainside, teaching people what the kingdom of God is like. He says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks you for bread or your daughter asks you for bread, would give them a stone? Or if they ask you for a fish, would you give them a snake? If you then, though you are evil parents, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, I'm asking you to go wild tonight. I've never asked that. Have fun tonight, God. Open your word among us tonight, God. Leave it all on the field tonight, God. We're here, we're, we're, we're here because we believe that you're the God who wants to say something. You're the God who speaks. And when you speak, things change. When you speak, hardened hearts are, are melted into wax and softened again. When you speak, lives are healed and restored and renewed. When you speak, hope comes. And so, Lord, we say, have your way tonight. Would you invite the Lord in your own words to speak to you? Say, come, Holy Spirit, and have your way tonight. Change me and challenge me and make me new. Lord, we pray that your word would race through this place with all liberty and with all freedom. We pray these things tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, 
Amen. Chapter 5 of Matthew, where we started in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is announcing the kingdom, and he wants us to learn what it's like to receive the kingdom in the world, and, and he reframes our mindset. He says, blessed, makarios, blessed are those, fortunate are those, lucky are those who are meek, lucky are those who are peacemakers, lucky are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, lucky are those who live in faith before God. So Jesus is calling us into this new way in chapter five. And then in chapter six, he talks to us about receiving the kingdom in our own hearts and in our minds. And he, he talks to us about, he challenges us about our thoughts. He, he calls us into the private place of prayer. He calls us into radical generosity. Jesus is, is inviting us to receive the kingdom in our hearts and minds. But tonight, right here in chapter seven, he kind of turns on a hinge. Jesus pivots and wants us to learn what it's like to receive the kingdom of God in our relationships. It's one thing to deal with God vertically. It's another thing to deal with people horizontally. And, and Jesus is inviting us into rich kingdom relationships. And the very first thing Jesus says tonight is, do not judge or you too will be judged. Do not judge. Now, if you ask outsiders to the faith what they think about Christians, sadly, and very often they're right, what they will say is that Christians are... Yeah. We kind of knew where that story was going. They've got a big book, and they've got a big voice, and they're excited, and they furrow their eyebrow, and they like to shout at all those people who are going to hell. And then they do the same stuff. And... And Jesus goes, we got to quit that mess. We got to quit living as if we're the judge of the world. Now, if you've, reading, if you've been reading the Bible, more of the Bible, you'll automatically hear these words from Jesus in Matthew 7, 1, and have a little bit of tension introduced. Do not judge Jesus, because Jesus in Matthew 18, just several chapters later, says, if your brother or sister sins, Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And this is where he says, if that doesn't work, then take someone with you. And if that doesn't work, take it to the church. He's wanting people to come back together. And he says, hey, don't, don't run away from people when there's difficulty. Run to them so that you can be restored. So Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins against you, go to them and point out their fault. Do not judge, lest you too will be judged if your brother or sister sins against you, go to them and show them their sins and see if you can be restored. Jesus, which one is it? There's a little bit of tension here. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 says, If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Are you going to take it to Judge Judy and not just work it out with the people of God? Like seriously? Uh, let me know how that works out for you. He says, or do you not know that the Lord's people will what? Judge the world. The Lord's people will judge the world. And, and if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Can't you sort it out between the two of you or between the group? Do you not know that we will, Paul is just going off here. Do you not know that in the end we will judge angels? What? Paul, Paul wants us to come together. He wants us to use our critical faculties. He wants us to, to lean in. Jesus is not telling us to mail it in and to shut it down. So what does it mean when Jesus says, do not judge? Jesus is not saying we can't discern the details of what an abuser is doing. 
right? Let's just get, let's get practical here. Let's, let's, let's work in realities. If, if someone that you know of is abusing someone, you don't take Matthew 7, 1, do not judge us, you two will be judged, and then get soft. No, you pick up the phone and you call 911. If you need to run from that to be safe, run from that to be safe. Jesus is not telling us to shut down our eyes and shut down our discernment and be stupid in in the name of, I just don't want to be judgmental. No, if there's a threat to you, you need to protect yourself. If there's a threat to other people that you're aware of, you need to protect them. Discern between good and evil. Jesus is not saying we turn off our discernment. Jesus is not saying... That if Bernie Madoff comes up to you and says, hey, I've got a great investment for you. (laughs) He's not saying that you shouldn't run in the opposite direction. You should. Like, use your faculties. Pay attention. Read the newspaper. Live with wisdom. Jesus is not saying that we can't keep our kids away from people that seem suspicious or gross or ungodly. My kids don't just go anywhere. Why? Because of the greatest treasure the Lord has ever given to Lisa and to I and to me. And so we take that very seriously. We, we are very picky. We are very discriminate about the kinds of influences we want in their lives. And that is our God-given responsibility. In Matthew 7, 1, when Jesus says, do not judge, he's not saying we shouldn't pay attention to things that are suspicious or dark or, or, or scary. Pay attention. Jesus is not saying that we have to stop dealing in reality. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I'm gonna need those. Thank you, Helen. May your tribe increase. May your offspring be blessed. That's not how I saw it going. <laughs> Well, growth is a real professional. <laughs> what is Jesus saying? This is courtroom language. Jesus is saying, you are not in charge of being the final word on someone else's story. Jesus is saying, you're not sitting on the bench with the final word. Jesus is saying... You don't get to decide if they'll always be this way. Jesus is saying, uh, you don't get to say that they'll never overcome. Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to talk about them, then you need to get up here on the stand. Because we could talk about your life too. Jesus is saying, my father is the one who is in charge of the cosmos. My father is the one who's going to sort things out And so Jesus says, you can put the gavel down. You don't have to act like you're the final arbiter of of reality, that you're the one whose read is the most important. You can stop, and actually, I'm going to give you, I have three kids, and and very often, um, two of them will be annoyed by one of them, and the two of them will gang up on the one, one of them. And I'll say, hey, you can stop trying to be their parent. You can let me be their parent. Jesus is saying, go ahead and back up from thinking that that you're the most important person in this story, that your opinion matters the most. Do not judge, because if you live that way, that's going to boomerang on you. 
Do you, you don't like it when people treat you that way, so why would you go around carrying the gavel thinking that your opinion needs to be aired about every single person? You, shh. My father and I, by the power of our spirit, can handle this. You don't need to try to play God. Do not judge lest you be judged. Jesus is saying you don't need to spend your life putting everyone around you on trial. Jesus is saying you can keep the discernment up, but you can put the gavel down. And there's a difference between, like, like it's a healthy tension. Be discerning, put the gavel down. You don't have to send your kids over there, but you don't have to destroy their character by gossiping. Just shh. Let God be in charge. He's a good judge. He's been merciful to you. He let you off the hook. Maybe he wants to be merciful to them too. Maybe he can take them on a journey. Maybe he can get them back into working shape. Put the gavel down because when you live this way, you destroy other people's character and you actually lose your joy all along. It's a terrible thing to carry this around because it just makes you look for a crisis everywhere you go. Do not judge lest you yourself be judged for in the same way you judge others you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured back to you with the measure you use it will be measured back to you um i i'm not a great cook i can do a few things in the kitchen i i've got a couple staples, some go-tos, and Lisa knows that if she needs to put me to work, she can, hey, you're not going to blow these three or four things up, so just feed us tonight, right? And so, I, you know, measuring cups, and I, 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 I love doing the dishes, and, and Jesus is talking, this is measuring language, right? Jesus says, with the measure you used uh, to judge other people, it's going to be measured to you. Now, please just forgive me in advance for this, all right? All right. <laughs> bless you. 40th anniversary. God bless you. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Helen, I love you. It's good to see you tonight. Thanks for bailing me out. That's what you get for picking up my notes tonight. Just with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And, and so, like, if, if you want people to treat you well, if you, if you want to just occasionally be under scrutiny, be gracious. Just, just, a, just a little, right? Sometimes it leaks out of us, right? We're human. We get frustrated. Someone cuts us off. Someone betrays us. Someone, a business deal goes bad, right? And it, it's, a, it's, it's normal to just have a little bit of leakage, right, with, with this kind of judgment. But, but don't, don't live too much. I mean, we can, like, we can make the stakes a little bit higher. I, I didn't really get anyone over here. Palmer's and Big Dave. Kaleo, what's up, baby? Where are you going, man? Where are you? Oh, sorry. Sorry, I see you. I see you. Yeah, just, and, and like, a, what? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. With the measure you use, it will be. You got to mix it up a little bit in church, you know. Like, how do you want people to treat you? Do you want to live feeling like there's just this huge heaping pile of condemnation and chatter and people, like, 
You know when you're trying to live a trustworthy life and you're trying to be decent and you're trying to honor your word and show up on time and just you're, just, you're trying and you just feel like someone doesn't trust you, someone's gonna make you really work for it, someone's gonna make you overcome and someone's gonna kind of side-eye you and cold shoulder you. Have you ever been in the office and you just felt like you were hitting a glass ceiling and you couldn't ever rise above it? Why? Because other people were suspicious of you. Jesus says if you treat other people that way, it's going to boomerang on you. So let's just break the vicious cycle. Let's, let's try to live giving people the benefit of the doubt. And what we typically do is we, we typically give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, but we really put it on other people. Oh, they've always been that way. Oh, they're, oh yeah, I can't trust them for anything. But you know, that one time when I broke my word, that was just an aberration. I just kind of had a bad day and I was just, it was a tough season of my life and thank God that he's just so compassionate. But those stupid people over there who are, Jesus goes like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And if you're gonna, if you're gonna dish that out, you better be ready to take it. With the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. But Jesus goes on in verses three to five. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Man, that guy, he's just got a real splintery personality. He's just real tough to be around. D- diva, he's always complaining. He's all, oh my gosh, and he never does what he says he's gonna do. And have you ever been around someone who's more unreliable and just, oh my God. And, 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 and then you want him to come close to you so you can get the speck out and you just keep decapitating people. <laughs> like, hey, why don't you come close so I can help you? Come here. It's dangerous to be around people like this. You might, get, you might get hurt. And Jesus says, when you're running around like this with your own issues that you fail to address, but you just want to get real nitpicky about other people's stuff that just kind of annoys you, it gets under your skin. Jesus goes, can we stop that and can we have a conversation? Can, can we talk about you for just a little bit? Jesus says, why don't you look in the mirror first? Before you go, in, go try to heal the world, why don't you just come into my presence and let me help you? Why don't you go on a journey of discovery? Why don't you go on a journey of humility? Why don't you live as if you have some, some things to iron out? And, and when you live this way, what happens is a humility enters into your being so that it's safe for other people to have a conversation with you. Jesus says, why do you spend your energy focusing out there when you've got issues right here in front of you? He said, it doesn't really work. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Verse five, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus says, look in the mirror. And so I want to say tonight that we must be a community that commits to kind covenant correction. A community that commits to this, to kind, right? Kind covenant correction. Some people love, I'm just a truth guy. I'm a truth guy. Just tell them straight. Just give it to them. Hey, you get over here, bro. I'm just get you. I'm a truth person. No, you're just mean. Kind covenant 
correction. I've told this story a couple times before, but I'll never forget being with a, a pastor in a different state, super wise, and Pastor Brady and I were there with him, and we had a great weekend at his church, and a couple services, and Pastor Brady preached, and we went to lunch, and then he was taking us back to the airport to fly uh, back to Colorado Springs, and on the curb, this pastor puts it in park, and he looks over at Brady and me, and he says, okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go through security here, and you're going to sit down at your gate, and then you're going to call your wife, and you're going to tell her things that you haven't told me yet about our church, about your weekend with us. You're gonna give her feedback that if you told us, we could actually get better, but you haven't told me yet, and so you're gonna go through security, call your wife, and then tell her things that you haven't told me. So he said, what's the 10% that you haven't told me yet? And Brady said, really? And he said, I'm dead serious, I need this, because if you get on that plane with the 10% that I don't know, how can I get better? So he said, please tell me. And Pastor Brady entered into kind covenant correction with this guy and said, this was excellent, this was excellent, I love this, two things. And he told him two very practical things that if, if tweaked could immediately make a, a great difference in this church's life. And he said, Pastor Brady, thank you so much for taking that risk of trust with me. Thank you for giving me that 10% that you weren't gonna tell me and now we can get better. And that church is thriving. And why? Because they've, be, they've decided to be a kind covenant community of correction where we talk about the things that matter, where we name the things, where we go, yeah, you, you actually do have a spec, but I, I gotta work on myself just a little bit, but I do see this one thing. And when we can help each other as brothers and sisters of Christ and do it in a safe way, all of the body of Christ grows. This is why we open up the scriptures, why? Because we want Jesus by his spirit to kindly and with covenant correct us and to make us his people afresh. So we have to commit, let's be the people who honor each other, who bless each other, not people who are dangerous with correction, not people who make it costly to come into our presence, but people who with all humility and with all kindness say, hey, can you help me get better? And, and there's a couple things I think I could help you get better. When we live this way, the church of Jesus begins to thrive in the world. Let's be a community of kind, covenant, correction. Can you say amen tonight? And then Jesus says at the end, I'm gonna skip ahead just a little bit. He says in verse seven, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find and knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and whoever seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. And which of you if your son asked for a fish would give him a snake? Jesus invites us to be a community of clear and direct speech who say what we need. Who say what we need to God. This is what prayer is. God is not, prayer is not some precious act where we come in and just kind of go, oh, yeah, thank you. No, prayer is where we get raw and honest and real with God and say, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God, I'm confused. And how long, oh, Lord? God, my child needs prayer. My child needs to come home. Like, if you come into prayer and you're too precious, you've wasted your time and you've wasted God's. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. We need to talk to each other and tell each other what we need. When we live this way, 
with this clear and direct speech with each other and with God, we can actually help each other grow. So I invite you to be a people of prayer in this place where you, you come to the World Prayer Center this Wednesday from 7.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. We're gonna be doing 12 straight hours of prayer, praying over our Good Friday service and our Easter services that salvation would break out all over Colorado Springs. Come into the prayer room with us for 12 hours and, and pound on the door of heaven and speak to God honestly and directly and call for salvation Friends, we have to be a community of clear and direct speech. But right here at the end, Jesus sums all of it up. And some of you grew up in church, and some of you went to summer camps. Some of you are new to the story, but you still know the golden rule. Matthew 7, verse 12, Jesus sums it all up and says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law And the prophets do to others as you would have them do unto you. I'll say it this way. We must be a community that commits to caring for one another in the same way that we hope to be cared for. I am not interested in church if it's just coming into a room with a bunch of strangers and looking up at the sky and singing some songs and having a couple little inspirational chats and then we go back home not knowing anyone. I quit if that's what the church is. Sincerely, I am not interested in that. The reason why I've been a part of the church for 40 years is because my parents raised me to come into a room looking for who I could serve and looking for who needs to be blessed and looking for the the lonely that need to be brought into the family. And when everyone comes into the room like that, we talked about this week well. When everyone shows up into the room like that, get ready to live. Get ready to live. I showed up here 18 years ago, and I met Shirley Matthews. She was working on our staff. Shirley's sitting right here in this beautiful little sweater, and her husband, Don, they've got 12 kids. God bless them for, for that. I mean, just 12, the tribe, the 12 tribes of Don and Shirley Matthews. I mean, Israel called. They want their tribes back, you know? 12, I mean, saints, been married forever. Don's 91 and Shirley's 84. And four years ago, they called me and they said, Daniel, can we meet? And I said, yeah, I would love to meet. And they came into my office and they had a bunch of paperwork with them. And they said, we are here today to ask you to do our funerals. And I said, well, I would be honored. And they said, we're in good health right now, but we just don't want to be behind the eight ball. We want to plan for this. You know, Don was 87 at the time. He said, you know, well, you just never know. And Would you do our funerals? And I said, I would be honored to do your funerals. He goes, here's the hymns we love. Here are the scriptures we love. Here's the uh, funeral home we're working with. We've paid our bill. Here's the receipts. I want you to put this in the file so that they say we didn't pay for it. You can show them the copy, you know? He just gave it all to me. And he had his, he, they had their will. They had they just all their paperwork. They were ready to do business that day when they came to my office and they called me a couple weeks ago and they said, hey, can we have another meeting? We've got a couple little things to update with the paperwork and they came in. Here's the first picture. Shirley brought her daughter, Jerry, with her. Just saints, sweet spirits, lots of history, lots of faithfulness. And then the second picture. And when we were talking about the updated funeral plans this week, I said, Don and Shirley, I, I, here's what I can tell you about that time. I said, we will take care of your family. We will take care of your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. There are so many of them. I said, and I will give you the best service you could ever imagine. I wish you could be there. Like, I will give you the best service you could ever 
imagine. I, I can't do a lot of things. I can do a darn good funeral. And we'll, we'll worship the Lord and we'll pray and we'll cry and we'll laugh and we'll tell stories. I promise you, in that season, whichever one of you goes first, we will take care of the remaining spouse and we will take care of the children. We will make that process easy for you. And friends, my commitment here as the pastor of this congregation is it's going to be safe and it's going to be wonderful to grow old at New Life Church. It's going to be like we're going to take care of each other. We're going to take care of each other. It's scary enough to have these conversations. And then you add to it feeling like you're alone, wondering if anyone will take care of you in that season. And as we come to this room every Friday night, we're not here to have a personal experience with Jesus. We are here to experience Jesus. We're here to take care of each other. We're here to bless each other. We're here to pray for each other. We're here to stir hope in one another. We're here to give resources to take care of one another. It is my commitment to be that kind of pastor in this place. God, help me, and God, help us to be the body of Christ with each other. One of my favorite things about New Life Friday night is all the kids running around. Here, if you're new, if you're new, hearing about 20, 30 minutes, this place is just going to be taken over with a storm of children. If you need to spank them, you don't have my permission. <laughs> Talk to their mother. But it's just the greatest thing. I mean, kids will be crawling under the seats and they'll be eating communion, just getting drunk on communion. Kids, it's grape juice and they're going to be drunk. Just pounding the stuff and they'll be praying for one another and laughing and be finding the mints and drinking water bottles and, and it, it's just holy chaos in this place and it's one of my favorite things to see and you know my commitment to you is I want to be the best Uncle DG that I can be for your kids I'll take time I, I, I want to know their names I want to know where they go to school I want to know if they're playing sports or if they're musical I, I want to I, and I want you to do that for my kids. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Take care of Don and Shirley the way you want someone to take care of your parents one day. Honor these children and make it a safe place for them to run around just like you if you have kids one day or if you have nieces and nephews. You, you, be the community that you want for your best people. And when you live this way, watch what happens. I want to go to high school graduations. I want to get those letters in the mail where you say, hey, I, I, could you help me send my kids on? I'll, I'll send you like five bucks because there's like a thousand of you here, okay? No, I, we'll send a hundred bucks if we can. We, we want your kids to go on their first mission trip and Lisa and I want to be a part of that. We'll help you. Would you please help us? We'll serve you. Would you please serve us? We'll pray for you. Would you please pray for us? And when everyone comes into the room looking to take care of these two and looking to honor and bless and celebrate all these little kids that will, and everyone and everywhere in between, when we live like that, we are rich. We are rich. The judgment, the frustration, it's, it's natural. But just, just get a little teaspoonful and then dump it back in. Pray it through before you post online. Pray it through before you send that nasty text message. Pray it through. Forgive them in Jesus' name. Like, when you do that, people will treat you the same kind of way. Friends, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I'll say it this way. We must become a community 
that commits to assuming responsibility for one another. I am not interested in individualistic Christianity. You can't be an individualistic Christian in sub-Sahara Africa. I've been all over the world. I've been to the mountains of Tibet. I've been in Nepal. I've been in China. I've been in, I've been in South America and Central America among the poorest. I've been in slums in Europe. I've been all over. The, I've been to Russia a year after the wall fell. I've seen poverty. Christians in these environments still to this day cannot fake an individualistic Christianity. They have to do unto others as they need done unto them. And when you do this way, you can live under communist regimes and the church thrives and rises. Why? Because people are ready to pour themselves out for the good of other people. Let's do it in 21st century first world America. Let's do it in 80921. Let's do it in our schools. Let's do it right here and right now and show a lonely world what it looks like to have friendship and family within the body of Christ. We must commit to becoming a community that takes responsibility for one another. When I put money in the bucket, when I give online, I'm not giving so that Jesus can give me blessing. I'm giving so that we can all have what we need. I'm giving so that the poor in our city can eat. I'm giving so that single moms don't sleep in their cars at night. They can stay at Mary's home. I'm giving so that they can get free medical care at the women's clinic, at an airport or academy in Austin Bluffs. I'm giving for us, and I hope you will do the same thing. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In the early church, after Jesus was raised and ascended to the right hand of the Father and the spirits poured out, they caught this. Acts chapter four as we close. Acts chapter 4, 32 through 35. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. They took responsibility for one another. They knew Don and Shirley in their congregation. They took care of the kids in their congregation. And with great power, when you live this way, there comes power. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Because that's what happens when you do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That there were no needy persons among them. No needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and they laid them at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Jesus in Matthew 7 says, stop carrying around the gavel. Put it down. Instead, take up the responsibility to serve one another and bless one another and pray for one another and take care of one another. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And friends, when we live this way, the kingdom of God comes and the will of God is done on the earth as it is in heaven and it's all on the table for us right here, right now, 80921, Friday night at New Life Church. We can be this kind of people. I am signing up for it. I invite you to sign up for it and as we do, we'll look around and we'll see that the elderly are dignified into their latter years, that the children are blessed and raised up in a family of God where they have 50 extended aunties and uncles. And everyone in between feels the strength of the body of Christ. Let's sign up for that kind of life tonight in Jesus' name. Can you say amen, church? Would you stand with me?
I want to invite our communion servers to come down. And what we're going to do is we're going to walk through the room. If you're new, we've got communion servers in the front, and you can come forward and receive. If you're physically not able to come forward, tap your neighbor. They'll bring you an extra. That's fine. But what we're going to do is we're going to come through the room as we worship. You get the communion elements. And go back to your seat as we worship. Hold those communion elements there. And in just a few minutes, I'll come back and we'll receive together from Jesus. Let's worship the Lord right now.